Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Absurdity, where we're going to be talking about annual council. Uh, this is part two of episode 111. So, uh, quick disclaimer, if you haven't heard part one, which is out at the exact same time this is, with just me and Tony talking, um, and you have no idea what annual council is, you have no idea what the general conference is, or anything kind of within the Adventist-centric world, go check out part one first, because that's going to give you all of the kind of background information. That episode, or part one, is basically Tony and I reacting to some of the major stuffs and major stuff that happened and, and our feelings on all of it. But part two is uh, I'm I'm being joined by a good friend of mine. I'll introduce in a second. But we're going to be talking about um, now what do we do moving forward when we're kind of tired of or done being angry and and how do we actually take action on the things that are important to us? And so today I'm joined by Matthew Lucio, who I had the privilege of co-presenting with at Society of Adventist Communicators uh, just a couple weeks ago in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so he hosts the Adventist History Podcast and the upcoming Adventists Are Weird Podcast. Uh, he's basically revitalized in the interest in Adventist history for a lot of people my age uh, at, you know, in, in the kind of younger end of the millennial spectrum and uh, just younger people in general. And he's, he's packaged it in a way that, that, you know, is easily digestible, is relatable and uh, speaks a lot to even current events just by retelling history. And so I've really appreciated his podcast, looking forward to the next one and working with him in the future. So Matt, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like I have ascended Mount Olympus. Now I am on the Absurdity podcast, and I feel like everything else I'm going to do in life is just downhill from here. <laughs> That's right. So um, if if you didn't know, um, I kind of am the, the, the one in the Adventist podcast world who... Um, now, Matt's been doing it longer. He is, I think... Him and one other podcast have, have potentially been doing this just slightly longer than he's definitely been doing it longer than me by a couple of years at least. Uh, whereas uh, uh, there's a different podcast out there, uh, Os Table Talk, who's been doing it, I think for maybe like a month more than me. Yeah, but they're Australian; they don't count. Yeah, they don't count. They were a like, month more a, than me because it's they. A, it's we, the time zone thing. 
Yeah, exactly. They started actually the same day as me. It was yeah. just, you know, a month from now. Yeah. Um, and so we're kind of the, the OGs in, in the podcasting sphere for Adventism, but I'm the one who's kind of like do- dove into podcasting, like as a medium the most. And so I've, I've helped a bunch of different podcasts launch and like jumped into all this. So they, they call me the godfather of Adventist podcasting for whatever yeah. reason. Um, and, so the, the pod uh, or the pod, yeah, the, the pod, pod father. So, um, yeah. So when he says Mount Olympus, I, I guess that's, that's what we mean. Um, I'm okay with it. I've, I've learned to embrace it because I don't, I don't think it is arrogant to embrace it because what I honestly, what that is, is, <laughs> is an affirmation of all of the hard work I've put into this. Uh, and all the hard work I'm still putting into this. That's how I, that's how I choose to take it. Yeah. Um, what, whether my head is so big, I can't fit through doors or not. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. But no, this, there's a real serious, important thing. Ryan has helped over 20 podcasts get off the ground, which I think right now is most of them. <laughs> most, most Adventist <laughs> podcasts. Um, and that's a really big deal because we're, we really want to see Adventist podcasting grow and succeed. And Ryan is just, uh, because of his like fanatical devotion to understanding the ins and outs of how this works, uh, he's able to help everybody figure out gear and things like that. And so anyways, we just really appreciate him. And the reason why this meeting, uh, me being on this podcast is so important is because we've just, we've been like ships in the night for, for so long. Uh, yes. We talk all the time and it's just like, but we've never found any kind of collaboration really that we could, we could join together in. Yeah. Because, while I do Adventist centric episodes and this is very much a, a two parter on that fact, um, you know, Adventist history, while it has this absurd moments, like it's not a, like the whole purpose of absurdity is to deal with things that are absurd today. Like the fact that X thing is happening in 2019, 2020, like is absurd. And that doesn't make sense if we're talking about something in 1919 or 1920 or whatever. So that's the, that that's kind of why we've been ships in the night on this. And I have nothing to add to Adventist history. So that's kind of, I haven't done any scholarship there. Um, Ryan, Ryan, you are Avenus history. That's facts. We, we both making. are. We yeah. both are. Um, <laughs> uh, for the new generation of podcasters. Yeah, seriously, too. this is going to be a chapter in a book someday about Avenus podcasters. I'm okay with it's gonna, that. It's going to be a short book with a lot of pictures, but we will be in there. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have pictures of our faces though. That would be bad because podcasting, yeah. you're supposed to know the, the voice, not the face. Uh, <laughs> So we're going to be talking about annual council today, and I, I I do hope the the conversation kind of uh, channels into how do we how do we move forward from this because I, I think the 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 big thing that a lot of people feel is like all right if 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 I saw the vote on the abortion statement if I saw the vote on tithe parity or or well I think the vote on tithe parity was was morale morale wise kind of a good thing for the NAD at least um, and. Uh, you know, saw the vote on conference presidents or, or um, the, the, uh, the, the, oh my word, the, the conf, the, the compliance was the word I wanted. Jeez. Um, The compliance stuff, like, you know, if you're done being angry about that or you want to know what to do to move forward, I think that's what we're going to try and, and hopefully address some of this. But Matt, like, why don't we just open up with like, what, what are your kind of general thoughts on, on annual council and and some of the things that happened there and, and what, yeah, how are you feeling coming out of all of that? I mean, it's, it, I, I feel okay, and I, but I think it should be recognized that I'm not a demographic that has a really deep stake into it. Like, if I was a female pastor or, or, or a female who wanted to be a pastor, uh, I might feel a little bit differently about how things went down or 
So I, I, I recognize it. To me, I just, I think it's really important we keep these things in perspective. I, I see some of the stuff that went and, and like, I am addicted to annual council. Mm. I, I just, just, yep. I had a talk with my church. I took some time during Sabbath school and I'm like, let me just tell you what happens. And I think most of them are looking at me like, yeah, 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 yeah. Who cares? But I'm like, no, I watched like 30 hours of video. I binged annual council and I have to tell somebody what happened, you know? And so I, I recognize it. I, I watched all this of annual, all, all the videos of annual council. And then I turned on the democratic debate and I'm like, this is boring. Like mm. these, these people running for president don't know how to do politics. Like yes. you do politics when somebody says something with a smile on their face and you say, can we pray about it? And then you pray this knife into their heart. You know, like that's how yeah. you do politics. People <laughs> it's amateurs on the stage. They yeah, don't know what they're real. doing. <laughs> For real. No, no. Annual Council is addicting to watch if you're invested in the greater drama and you want to see kind of how things play out. I feel like with, with like normal presidential debates and everything, it's just kind of like, all right, I wonder how they'll pivot to this talking point. Like, and you just hear the same kind of arguments over and over and again. But like, Annual Council is like, how are they going to tick me off today? Right? Like, <laughs> it's a total mystery. What are they going to do to make me lose? <laughs> right. So right. What, what are they going to make me do to question my place here? Uh, let That's going to... You know, I, I, it's just, um, that, that's the kind of feeling I have toward annual council. Plus I get like a hundred new followers off of Twitter, uh, because of all my rants. I like flood the hashtag every year. Um, <laughs> and it builds my audience, which is funny, uh, to me yeah. because like I'm genuine, these are genuine thoughts that I have. And if you want to know how I feel in general about annual council, I've made it no secret on Twitter, yeah. but that is, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a bit of a contrarian. So when I see like everybody on Avenue's Twitter hating an annual council, there's a part of me that's like, okay, <laughs> but I don't know. What, what can I say good about it? But I, I really don't know. So if I had to boil down everything I felt about annual council into one statement, I would say this. We see an administration at the general conference not keen on building trust. And that's, that's just what I walk away with. I mean, we see them like it's almost the voting process. The democratic process is almost sacred to these guys. Like, oh, well, you know what? We got to vote. We got to go through with it. And I honestly, I just feel like if, if they had spent more time in a local church, they would understand that getting 51% of the vote or 57% of the vote is not a strong mandate to ram a controversial thing down everybody else's throat. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It's not enough to win the vote. You have to win hearts and you have to win minds. And I just feel like, ah, like build trust. You know what I mean? Like look at this and be like, you know what? Six out of 10 agreeing on this is not really enough. Um, yeah. We can't well, do that's, this. That's one of the things for me. Like if it, it feels like they're sacrificing trust on the altar of policy and, and compliance. I think that's what it feels like. And it, it, and, and because of the way they're doing it, even if they think they're being objective because of policy, they're not. Because if you're either – because at this point, when you when you go about it the way they are, the way they introduce some of the, the things that they're doing, like they introduce documents the night before after a long day right. of discussion, right? Right. That does not build trust. No, it doesn't. And it, and it shows that you're not being objective. You're actually taking a side – you're actively taking a side here is what you're doing. And – that's not okay to me. Um, it, it, 
it it actually actively erodes trust. And yeah. I think, and 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 I'm not going to say that unions and conferences and divisions are doing everything they can to build trust either. Like they don't get out scot free. Yeah, I think in my opinion too. And I think oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, but, but I, I think I think it's different with some of these unions when when a decision comes from the constituency. Yes, like, I agree. You know. When the people in the pews want something, that's a little bit of a different thing. It puts the administrators in a in a tough spot. Like, do you follow your constituents or do you follow the world church? That's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, so the church manual doesn't arrive in Adventism until 1932, which means we almost went 100 years without one, without working policy, without these kind of stuff. Why? Well, because we had trust. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't need an abundance of rules when you trust the people. I mean, if, if you're a team, if you're a football team or a baseball team, um, you don't just like sit around and pass. Like you, 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 you work out, you do your practice, you do that sort of thing, but ultimately it just comes down to trust. Like you're going to trust your teammate to catch the ball. Like yeah. Passing resolutions won't help. These things only go so far. You need to have trust. And it's just, it honestly, it hurts me to just see this complete, obtuseness about how relationships work. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have a guy who was basically groomed his entire life to become GC president. So it, it kind of makes like when you were, you you're almost groomed to be the administrator in the room. And if that's the case, then it is a little bit harder to, to embrace the kind of the more relational aspects of that. And now, granted, I'm not saying that like Ted Wilson is socially dysfunctional. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like that's not like the, the social or relationship building aspect of this doesn't really seem to be his primary goal. Priority. All right, I'm I'm not going to make this personal. I'm not going to talk about any union presidents or any general conference people. I'm just saying in general, it doesn't even matter if you're listening to this and you actually side with the general conference. I I just hope this is something we can all agree upon that the way this is being handled is not building trust. As Ryan says, it's eroding trust. And that is a problem mm-hmm. because we are, we have never been such a diverse church and passing rules and statements and guidelines. It, it only goes so far. You have to have trust. And I, I, I just really hope we can all agree that this isn't being handled the right way. And maybe you, maybe you, that person thinks the unions aren't handling it the right way too. I'm open to talking about that too. Um, it goes both ways, but honestly, it starts with the parents. Yeah. It starts with the parents. Well, and, and I think ultimately, like, it, it, it is frustrating because the, the, it seems like every kind of, the, the higher you go, so to speak, into the, the Adventist church structure, even though I don't like the word higher, but, you know, as you, the closer you get to the GC, the more that every one of those, from my knowledge, it seems like all of those entities were, were created to empower mission at the local level and empower the local church and local churches to do mission and, and, and spread the gospel. And then you see moves actively kind of um, getting in the way of that and becoming an obstacle of that. And uh, that's difficult to swallow. Um, that's yeah. difficult to watch happen because it seems so antithetical to what their original purpose is. And I'm not saying that everything just gets a carte blanche. Yes or no, uh, you know, or carte blanche. Yes, but it, it is, um, it's scary to watch. And yeah. I, it, it is, I will say this, if I didn't fully, fully believe in what I do, um, 
a long time ago, I probably would have would have walked if I didn't yeah. genuinely really believe this. Like, I yeah. believe the message and and the mission of the Adventist Church. Um, there's nowhere else for me to go if I have these beliefs. Like, yeah, no, it's really, true. You're just homeless at that point, and and so yeah. I I'm here. I'm I'm dedicated, and I'm devoted to this, and and I'm not going anywhere. And so the the thing is now with this anger and this hurt that I feel after seeing and hurt for for colleagues, right, women in ministry. Um, division and 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 union presidents and and people that are hurting from this. I know of, of women who, so many women broke down just crying after the 2015 vote. I mean, yeah, heartbroken. Yeah. People who weren't even trying to be pastors, completely heartbroken. Um, it, it's that kind of thing that my heart grieves for them, and I want to know, like, how do I, you know, what do I do with that? And I know listeners probably many feel the same way, especially if, and if this is the first time they're being exposed to all the annual council stuff and they're finding out about all of this kind of like after the fact, yeah, that's even worse in my almost. Yeah. 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 I saw, I saw one tweet from uh, an Adventist pastor who's like, this is my first year as an Adventist pastor. It's my first annual council. And it's like, it's so depressing. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I, I want to re- like my heart goes out to these people. It's like, this shouldn't be how you begin your ministry in this church. Like it shouldn't now granted. I mean, bureaucracy has never been sexy. No one's, I I don't know who's ever like gone to a general conference session and actually paid attention to what goes on at the top or on the floor, I should say, and walked away being like, yeah, we're awesome. Okay. It's, it's not usually exciting, but it shouldn't be depressing. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be demoralizing, which is, which is what we see. And it's like, there were some good moments. Don't get me wrong. You know, and I like the worst part is like just how it gets massaged when we're, we were told that watching annual council, like, you know, the, the people at the table up front were like, well, I know we had really controversial things. We had the war in five unions that they were out of compliance. And we said that uh, coffee was gossip juice. But I really want everyone to walk away. You know, when we talked about mission and how we need to send people and, and things like that, like the, the, the positive stuff. And it's like, no one's going to remember the positive stuff. Like what planet are you living on? Yeah, no, we love neg- we love drama. We thrive yeah. on it. That's like a human thing. It is. Like and I mean, look, I'm happy we baptized out on the like 1.3 million people or something like that. Hey, that is great. Praise God, blah blah blah. But it's like at the end of the day, you just like they don't understand how it sets a tone for the church when you when you do these kind of things, when you're going to warn these unions. You know what I mean? Like it, it sends yeah. a chill through the yeah. church. No, and 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 I think I think one of the things that we need to I think one of the things that we need to really work on, one of the practical steps we need to take is is not necessarily that we need to speak more specifically, though maybe that's part of it, but I think we need to stop and and I'm very 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 guilty of this, right? Uh need to stop speaking so much in generalities. Like we say the general conference or we say, you know, um, one of the big ones is Western culture or like the global North versus the global South or, you know, uh, the Western culture versus versus the Eastern cultures. And like, it's, it's, it's not that right. Like you want to talk about Western culture versus Eastern culture. And yet China's like the largest administration in the world has a a female pastor in, in China. And I I mean, that may, I don't know if that's still the case, but it was the case the last time I talked about it probably a year ago. And like, so you can't just paint a one culture with this broad brush because a, you're going to end up being racist at some point at that point. Right. 
because you're going to think there's something inherently wrong with the culture that someone belongs to um, because they're not as progressive as you or, you know, not where you specifically are. But I think um, the other issue too is like we end up vilifying people that don't deserve to be vilified or or organizations that don't need to be vilified. Like I talk about the general, like I'll be specific and a a lot of times I've, I've said general conference, like, even if I talk about GC administration, I don't really know much about the other administrators. I know some of their names and I don't even know how to pronounce one of their names. Uh, so really I'm just Love you, talking. GT. Love you GT. Yeah, no, he's great. He's hilarious too. Dude is so funny and his he story's is. incredible. I just saw the, yeah. the documentary out the other day uh, and I'll drop a link to that in the, in the, in the show notes, but like, Usually I'm just talking about Ted Wilson and I know that like, there's no, like that cat's out of the bag. Like that's the only frame. And he wears the black hat as an administrator, right? Like he represents last annual council. Yeah. No kidding. Last year's. Yeah. Uh, when we, when we played uh, cosplay, the 1840s. Yeah. Um, (laughs) the, this, yeah. And, and like he wears the black hat as an administrator. That's part of what you do when you accept the role of any of a president or leader of any organization, you wear the black hat and you get to be the bearer of bad news. When administration or when uh, personnel committee, executive committees make a decision, you have to be the, the representative that now you represent that body and everyone's going to target you for it. I, and, yeah. and so I, I get that. And, and, you know, he accepted that. I think he knew that going into this. I do think he's put himself probably in unnecessary crossfire as a result, but um, that's, you know, he doesn't need to chair every meeting, for example, that would probably protect him at least a little bit. Um, so yeah. the, that, that like, I, I do think we need to be more specific about, or at least less broad strokes about when we, when we talk about these issues, but I'm just, I guess I'm not sure what the balance is between doing that, uh, being specific, but not being so specific that it takes you forever to get to your point. Like I yeah. just did. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for exemplifying that for us. Yeah, it's it's really hard because yeah, I don't want to overgeneralize. On the other hand, I don't, I don't. I, there's there's Ted Wilson's the public face. There are obviously other people who agree with him or disagree with him, like on his in his you know at the general conference. And it's hard because if I start singling out one person, like he is the easy figurehead to single out, and. You know, whenever I write about him publicly, I always say Elder Wilson because I want to show respect to to the office. It's a really hard yeah. thing. Any anybody who's been paying attention to American politics understands that dichotomy between respecting the office and the in the person uh, over the last twenty years. So yep. we've been we've been working on that. But in any case, you know, I I believe he's sincere. Everybody I know who's who's met him and knows him just attests to how genuine, um, you know how sincere he is as a Christian. That's, that's the most like, yeah, no, that's true. I have a lot of, I have friends who are members of, uh, of his, of his home church. And they, they're like every interaction I've ever had with him has been like a hundred percent pleasant. He's a great human being. I love the guy. Like they, people speak highly of him when they know him that I know of when, when they know him personally. So I, I never mean to necessarily attack his character or anything like that. Um, yeah, but, but his leadership, but his leadership. And I mean, it's, it's, it is it is difficult, I think, to lead an organization this this large. And I mean, look, somebody went out with a tweet, and they're like, um, maybe it was on Facebook, and they're basically saying it's like, well, you know, we're so depressed, like we should be looking to the annual council for for inspiration. It's, it's like, no, you shouldn't. It's just a giant board meeting, and we, we need mm. to keep that in mind. It is a giant board meeting. It's a board of three hundred and something people, and then formally. Uh, some conference presidents who are able to come and speak to it. When my, 
I texted yeah. my conference president when they had that vote saying conference presidents won't be able to speak going forward. It, that happened on my conference president's birthday. So I wrote happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. Don't write me that back. because You don't, you don't have voice anymore. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't say anything. Well, well, and that resolution hasn't fully passed, right? That's just, that was just passed yeah, on to go. general conference session. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I mean, like that, yeah, that's an example of like, I, I, you know, like the explanation for that one was, well, the NED wants parity. And then when the NED said they wanted parity, they did say that they meant primarily financial parity, but also they, we don't want special treatment. And Dan Jackson mm. and his team gets credit for that. You know what I mean? They could have just said, we want financial parity and then just left it at that. Uh, but no, they're like, we don't want special treatment. And so kudos to them. Uh, but it's like, so the GC and like investigating those areas where the NED gets special treatment, I just feel like, is this, is this really something that needs to be done? You yeah, like that's what we're going to waste time on is right, it, feels, like it feels vindictive is what it feels, it feels like. Vindictive. Like that's not necessary. Like it's it's really not. I mean, how many conference presidents speak up? It's not a lot. It's not a yeah. lot. It's not no, like it's they're a wasting a bunch of time. It's a ton, actually. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> it's 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 no. Com- I mean, come on. Compared to like, let me just put it this way. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything because, like, the joke is all the like, the NAD and European people get up and speak, and then, but then like, all the everyone the, else votes. Yeah, then everyone else votes, and it doesn't go their way. Like that's just <laughs> well, and, and honestly, like that's uh, to some extent. I think the conference president vote is good because maybe now we'll actually see just how not necessarily unbalanced the room is, but like, um, you know, you'll see a more true representation of what the vote is going to be potentially when that many. Well, they don't vote. They just have voice. Exactly. Like, that's my point. Like you can listen to yeah. this the discussion and and feel like it's going to go one way, and then the vote comes. And I think that's what happened in 2015. Everyone heard the discussion all day and was like, "Ooh, this is actually looking promising." Yeah. And then it wasn't. <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta you gotta count the people in the room. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like if you're gonna go in politics, if you're like a whip in Congress. Like your job is to you you always add up the votes before you even bring a bill to the floor. Like you you just. You kind of develop an instinct for figuring out who's going to vote which way. But in any case, look, the Adventist church is huge. We have 21 million members. We have the, the church. I don't know if you guys know this. The church employs more people than Samsung. We employ twice as many people as Microsoft, three times as many people as Apple. Like this is a huge organization. We don't get Apple's revenue though. Yeah, I was gonna say we do not have the return on investment they do. No, we have like a couple. If, if anything, dollars. you just told me that that's we're inefficient. That's what you just told of course, me. We're a church. We're not a business. But you know, like we have, there's like a lot of people in this thing. So like to pivot from like a modern to a postmodern world, like I don't know. Like I obviously I think it can be handled better. It has to be handled better. But I also think sometimes we have really unrealistic expectations of what annual council should be achieving. Like you are yeah. not going to turn an organization with 300,000 plus employees and a footprint in almost every country in the world. You are not going to turn that ship very fast. That's what and you think. Des- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it was designed that way. Yes. Like, it was designed. It was designed uh, to have a tension between administration and profits. Yes. So that meant Ellen White, obviously, when she was alive. Like, like the profit antagonizes the administration. Mm-hmm. And, and the administration makes sure that the ship is stable. Like, keeps the organization, keeps things going, and, and kind of 
keeps a lid on disruptive people, you know, puts out the fires. Yeah, they put a lid on Jose. They (laughs) somebody needs to. It doesn't have to be a big lid. No, just small small lid lid for Jose. (laughs) Jose hosts disruptive Adventism. It was a pun. Sorry. (laughs) I apologize, everyone. So except to Jose. Um But, like, that's the job. The administration puts out fires. The prophetic voice in the church lights fires. Okay, Ellen White is gone. I would say that George Knight is one of those prophetic voices today. Like, like lowercase p prophetic. Yeah. Not like spirit of prophecy. The accountability prophetic. form of prophetic yeah. versus the, yeah. Yeah. Versus the, like, future telling visions, dreams. Right, right, right. And I think I think that's a role that we that many of us are playing like, in a very 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 small way through through our like using our voice on Twitter or Facebook or in conversation in local churches. Like I think I sense a lot of that, like a lot of that like collective prophetic voice saying this is not the way to go. We need to do this better. Da 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 da. da. So that's encouraging to hear. Now a lot of that voice comes from a place of pain right now, but. To me, that is, that is a legitimate voice in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We were built to have that kind of voice to prevent the bureaucracy from becoming too oppressive, like from preventing any change whatsoever. Yeah. And that's just the natural direction bureaucracy goes. It's not Ted Wilson's fault or whatever. That's just how it happens. We, we have a huge administration. Administrations don't move. They don't want to move. They don't want to be bothered. And it's the job of people who kind of have that lowercase p prophetic yeah. calling. Well, and now to we have things up. And now we have what almost a one to one in some countries, more than one to one ratio of admin admin to, <laughs> yeah. to pastors. So you've got like as time goes on, you have more and more people uh, in positions that don't want to be flexible. Like it's it it actively gets worse. Yeah, three point four administrators every pastor in South America. Wow, three point four. That's and. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine having three people at the conference like calling you if you're a pastor? Now that's I mean, like, that's they, that's that's employed pastors though, right? Like that's not that doesn't include lay pastors. I don't believe so, no. Yeah, so th- like there is that number that 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 skews it a little bit, but I don't think there's that many lay pastors. I do think no. South America has more than North America, but at the end of the day, I I I I think that that number's not going to really change anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I the way I saw David Trim's stats, it was like every other d- division was more or less around one to one ratio. Yeah. So, so I, I showed that slide to my church here. <laughs> my, my church, I, I was like, so the NED is at 0.8 administrators to pastors. And, and someone's like, wow, that's high. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the, the kind of mutinous feeling that's happening at the Peoria Seventh-day Adventist Church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So I'm I'm frustrated by this. I'm upset by this. I'm incensed by this. I don't know what term you want to use. Um, You're incensed. Yeah, I'm incensed. Um, what what do I do now? Like, what is my first step as an Adventist human being? Adventist human. Shout out Caleb Isley. Um, <laughs> wow, so many free plugs in this episode. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the oh no 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 the other one wasn't a plug. We made fun of him. Um, the that's still a plug. Um, like making fun of somebody on this podcast is just it's actually better than complimenting them. Fair enough. Jose is a great host. He is amazing. Disruptive Adventism is an incredible podcast. Um, <laughs> well, we were at Society for Adventist Communicators together. Like Jose, I, I'm pretty sure like he interviewed every single person there. Yeah, I'm pretty like, sure he, he interviewed, interviewed hotel everybody. staff at some point. Yeah, <laughs> at 
that's like how do you how do you feel about carrying the bags up <laughs> for real uh the, the elevator service technique. how do you feel about fixing this yeah. and having every guest on every floor upset at you that you haven't fixed it yet because one <laughs> elevator was broken the basically the entire right. time we were there right Jose brought like 15 t-shirts to sell and he sold us some of them. And then like next thing I know, I'm like looking, he's up on the stage doing a quiz, promoting, uh, promoting your podcast, promoting my podcast, promoting Advent next shout out to Kendra. And like, he's just giving shirts away. And I'm like, that dude is just nonstop. I don't think you can stop Jose. No, at all. You can't. Like he would inter- If you put him in prison, he'd be interviewing like the bench and the toilet in his cell. <laughs> Facts. Um, May even be the best interview he's got, but I don't know. (laughs) It it actually would be. It would be. Um, The okay. So yeah, but I am. uh, You know, I I am. I'm an Adventist. Upset at this, or conversely, I am. Or you know, uh, different tangentially, I am a member of any denomination, and I'm upset at what my denomination is doing. Period. Okay. Adventism's not the only one doing this, or not this specifically, but like Adventism's not the only one that has issues like this. No, absolutely not. In fact, a lot of other churches are in a more advanced state of decline uh, in terms of trust, but in other ways as well. Like they really are. Like the United Methodists right now are there's there's groups in that denomination looking for like, what does the exit strategy look like? How many denominations do we form out of this denomination? Uh, so there, there's some other churches that are in some serious, serious trouble. And I'm not saying that out of a sense of pleasure. Like I don't want to see any of these churches break apart. Um, but just I, to me, the first step is you got to keep perspective. Like where we're at in the scheme of things, annual council, like the votes of the last few years, I believe do not, influence the way I do local ministry. It hurts yeah, on, a, on a practical level for you on a practical level. Like I'm going to go start another podcast or, you know, so like, that's what I just keep perspective. It does matter. It does hurt. I'm not trying to say that, that those feelings shouldn't be there. I'm just saying, keep those feelings in perspective. Okay. Even from a historical perspective, we faced a lot worse. Okay. Like there was this time in 1888, you guys, some of you guys may be familiar with this. If not, go listen to my podcast. Um, anyways, that was a much more contentious general conference session, like hugely contentious. Like the things that they said about each other would, would shock us today if they were said in public. In any case, but Ellen White, this is my, one of my favorite scenes in all of Adventist history. Ellen White gets up in this room full of men all huddled together in their pews wearing their black suits in a time and where women, so, a women's voice yeah. in the room is not really the best thing in the world, yeah. right? The only, like, right, right. Absolutely not the best thing in the world. That's a good way to put it. Like, so she gets up. She's five feet, you know, just over five feet, five feet, four inches, whatever. And she just, she gets up and she says, okay, she says, brethren, I am thoroughly disgusted and indignant for my savior that those who profess to be Christians are babies. <laughs> like she just called a bunch of these people. You guys are children. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, that's hardcore, man. Yeah, like if if if, if someone babies. and and like I, I I'm trying to figure out what the what the what the like 2019 uh what the 2019 version of that would be right because just calling people babies I feel like in 2019 isn't gonna isn't gonna hit them as hard. So trying to find out the the 2019 equivalent yeah. of that. Um, but yeah, basically, you're, you're acting like children. Like, you need to grow up. Yeah, yeah and, grow up. 
Um, so yeah, this is not the worst thing. So I, I think knowing that and knowing Adventist history can, can, and, or just the general history of any denomination that, you know, you might be a part of, um, is it can be an important thing to add perspective. It doesn't, uh, and it doesn't necessarily dismiss the value of what's happening here. Right. Because while no. like you can, you and I can say from a, from a decently privileged position that this doesn't really affect us unless they, it does affect me if they ever go like, you can't start a podcast unless you've been ordained, uh, then I'm screwed. And so are the other 20 that I've helped. I'll ordain you. Um, thanks friend. Um, but the, 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 it does affect what women can do on a practical level in the church. And that's, I think part of this is like most members won't really ever feel the effects of this unless a, they have a woman pastor or B they, they like get involved in the Adventist church in any kind of employment way. But most, most Adventist lay people don't. And, And that's part of the reason I care so much about this is because most of my friends are within the circle that is affected by this. And right. and are you know interested in what's happening, and so my heart breaks for them, and and like that's where the the conversation has started. But as far as it affects you on any given Saturday morning, it does, like I could have walked into church today and been like, all right, so let's talk about what happened to annual council, and they'll be like, annual what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you don't have a reason right. to know about it, right? You don't, and that's that's why like when I hear lay people like just kind of casually trashing people who are upset by general conference and annual council votes on like these votes have been happening. I'm just like, you haven't been there. You know what I mean? Like just be very careful about how cavalier you are. Like I, man, I was pastoring a church in a different conference when in two, in 2015 and like right before general conference started, somebody sent out like an email and they're like, these women who want to be pastors, they're like Nadab and Abihu playing with strange fire and God is going to judge. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like, do you know anybody who's in these? Like, have you met these, these, these women who feel called to be pastors? You know what I mean? Like before yeah. you say something like that. Yeah. Like, is it your daughter? Like, what if it was your daughter? Who's like, I, I feel like God is calling me to seminary. You know, would you really still send out that email? Like, ah, some people just, probably just be careful. Would. Some people probably would, but just be careful. Like it's easy to take a hard stance on issues where you don't, you don't have anybody who's, who's, who to be affected. Yeah. By you it. don't have a personal right, just keep stake that in, in mind. It. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Um, so, you know, I, anyways, so my first thing is like, I, I just always try to keep perspective in things like this. I try to find a sense of humor, which is why I have a picture of you hanging up in my office. Aww. And yeah, I have a picture of me this. hanging up in your office too. <laughs> This is your most Ryan Reynolds moment. Thank you. I thank that was, you. That's a high no, compliment. You just nailed it. You know, listen to me, Ryan, this, this Ryan, like, he gets me on Twitter <laughs> in part because my first tweet ever, which I know I will come to regret when I have more than like two followers. I know I'll come to regret this. But my first tweet is to Ryan Reynolds and Tyler Perry <laughs> because, and Ryan agrees with me on this. I really think a Medea Deadpool movie, like a collab, would be amazing. Even if they just wrote a script, like yeah. and just 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 release the script on its own. Like just let my imagination have this, right? Right. It would be amazing. It would be I, hilarious. I, I, I tried to explain it to my wife, <laughs> who just <laughs> thought it was the dumbest idea she's ever heard. But I think this movie needs That's to be the whole made. Like point. The, the rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean. Stop. 
Just make this movie. This one. Stop everything else and just make Deadpool yeah. versus Medea or Deadpool uh, the, or, or like <laughs> a team of Deadpool. Medea. <laughs> or, or yes. like, um, De- <laughs> Deadpool three, uh, Medea's revenge. I don't know. It's just something. Um, I yeah. think it'd be, uh, I think it'd be great. <laughs> it'd so be I, awesome. Yeah. It'd and that's be your awesome. first tweet. So you're welcome. Twitter for that. That's my uh, first you're, tweet. You're you're welcome for and and by the way, Matt's Twitter is going to be uh, down in the show notes, so you can go follow him, get him over two followers, and then we can all uh, <laughs> bask in the glory that is him being on Twitter. Yeah, it it would be like it, 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 joining Twitter at this point just feels like that. Like I'm, I rode over to the Titanic, and I'm like, ah, there's only half a ship sticking out of the water. Cool. I wonder some food on board. Like that's how I feel about joining Twitter. I I know. It's 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 I'm like ten years too late, but that's okay. Yeah, it's it's fine. Because, it, you joined yeah. it on the way down, because but it, Twitter was always on its way down. As long as long as Ryan Reynolds and Tyler Perry make this movie, it will have been worth it. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. That is the only so campaign we have. A, that's right, and this is a good time to announce my new Kickstarter to get a plane with a banner to fly over Hollywood or Atlanta. Uh, I don't yes. actually know where Ryan lives. Tyler, I think, lives in Atlanta. Um, but I don't know when you have like 10 houses, where do you live? Yeah. Right. But anyways, I, I, the word needs to go to the next level. I don't I was know on, like, playing. I was, I was on a, I was, I was on a lake, uh, on a, on a, I was on a boat on a lake, um, with, with some church <laughs> members <laughs> when I was pastoring and we, we, we were, we were kind of just driving around and just enjoying the Sabbath afternoon, whatever. And they, they, they take me out to this part of the lake where some, I think it was a, a Panthers or a Jaguars player famous player like had like his lake house or whatever and they're like yeah that's his house and i'm like oh do you think he's home like <laughs> i <laughs> no he's not home uh it's because yeah they never live in the house that you can see <laughs> no never not a chance no, of course not they have like a they have like a bunker somewhere where all the rich and famous people are yeah. absolutely just okay so yeah probably i, I think I think now that this train is sufficiently off the rails, um, <laughs> I, I think people the, died. The second thing that we need to do is I think we do need to be vocal um, as members, as pastors, whatever. I think we do need to speak up about this stuff because if we don't, how will they, how will they know there's an issue if we never actually, if we never actually tell them there is one. Right. And I, and I think um, yeah. whatever we can do to even be, you know, even more direct. Ted Wilson has Twitter and Facebook. Tag him, uh, even if he's not the one necessarily tweeting or yeah. you know writing he's the statuses. Not the one. Um, but like, you know, enough happens and enough people say this, and there's no just like hiding it at some point. Um, there's too many comments to delete if you want to hide anything. The, but I think we need to speak up and utilize. Like right now, the ability to amplify your voice has never been more powerful in history uh, than than right now. The ability to have a platform and to be able to, like, this was a big thing. You're like, what's the point of Twitter? What's the great thing about Twitter? And I'm like, it's the access. It's the fact that you yeah. have direct access to someone. It could be a, it can be yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Medea, like you and, and Tyler Perry. Like you have the, the opportunity to, to tweet them and there might be a chance that they see it and respond. And like, that's a, that's Absolutely. a real thing. Right. So Absolutely. We, we need to utilize the platforms we have um, to speak up, podcasting has never been cheaper, right? Um, to to get into video work has never been cheaper to to get into, and it's likely so. Like you can buy a 4K camera, a solid, like a good one. There's a Canon M50 that just released for like six hundred dollars. 
Um, or no, M50 is yeah. old. The M6 Mark II just released, and that's similar price. Like it I is. Like, I feel like you have affiliate links in the in the. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon. I actually did have an affiliate link. I had affiliate Amazon affiliate set up, but then I never sent links to people. I kept forgetting, and so I ran out of like the 180 day period where no one made a purchase for me, so they kicked me out of the program. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to see if I can sign back up. The, but no, that that like that's a real. Um, I, that's a real thing that I think we waste if we don't, if we don't speak up more and if we don't continue to, yeah. to make our voices heard. But I think the other thing is we need to do that responsibly, right? If we, if we are just making a blog and posting one article and then starting a new blog and posting one article, like we're being irresponsible with our platform, right? Like you can't just <laughs> oh, post one go. Yeah, you can't just post one episode, Hayden, and expect to get away with it. All right? You can't do it. The best part is, I didn't think that was going to be funny this time. <laughs> but it still is funny. <laughs> okay. Get, get that oh back on this. So we, this is the second time we're recording this episode because I had a catastrophic failure the first time around. And I definitely call that Hayden in that episode as well. Um, in fact, we may include a soundbite in this episode of the last time I called him out for kicks and giggles. Uh, but yeah, so I decided to call him out again. But I... It, <laughs> Hayden, I mean, you guys don't know how savage that is. <laughs> Hayden posted he we have this big podcasters of Adventism group on Facebook. Hayden's a part he joined it, told us all about this awesome podcast idea to to highlight people's stories. It started this podcast that has literally one episode and has had only one episode for over a year. I think at yeah, this it's point. It's about his mom. Yeah, and the episode is about his mom, which is the best. Um, we love you, Hayden, but come on, post another episode. Um, just, just like, no, listen to me. You guys don't understand. I can see Ryan right now, and seeing him lead up to that comment was like watching like a man just like barrel a, a car down the street, like for like a mile. Like you could just see that thing coming. And I'm just like laughing the whole way as I see this, and then boom, just smashes all it into a, a storefront. Like it's it's all the setup. Um, but no, I do I like savage. for real. I do think we need to be we need to be responsible with the way we do it, and we need to take whatever platform seriously. Like that's why eventually this podcast went weekly was because I was like, I'm not using this responsibly, and I need to. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to amplify my voice if I'm posting an episode once every like six months or if, even in seasons. I need to be creating consistent content that is dedicated to the purposes I have if I really want to make a difference. And if this is as important to me as I say it is. And so I do think we need to be speaking up more yeah. and creating environments where people can talk about these things uh, safely so that when they are ready to talk about it in public, um, they're ready. They have a support system in place to deal with any potential backlash that could come, any criticism that could come, whatever. And, and I think we do need to look for opportunities to build trust with quote unquote, the other side. Um, yeah. And and I think we Absolutely. need to acknowledge when the other side does something, um, whatever the other side is, right? Whichever side of the coin you fall on, um, you know, conservative, liberal, whatever the, you know, we do need to acknowledge when the other side does something kind, does something good, does something, whatever. If we don't, and we just continue to vilify, then what re reason do they have to listen to us? Because clearly we're not interested in actually, you know, yeah. working alongside them. We want them to work for us. That's the message that we send. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't think, I'm not even keen on talking about sides. Like, to me, it is so important. It's not absolutely important, but it is so important 
that we stick together. I mean, it's it would be so easy just to be like, you know what, North America just wants to do their own thing and Europe wants to do their mm-hmm. own thing and let's just all kind of like break apart this denomination. Like, can this thing even, can this structure, this worldwide structure even bear the weight anymore? Like, like we need to try because I need, I. it is so easy in social media just to be surrounded by people who agree with you. Yeah. And I need other voices in my life. I really do. I want to hear that. That's actually what's so frustrating for me about this is it's like, I want to hear more from the people who disagree with me who are in South America or Africa or Asia. You know what I mean? Like when you go to annual concert, when you watch it or GC session, you do see so many Westerners up there talking, you know, cause English is, I don't know if that's, a, yeah, English a, is the dominant the language in the room. English is a, is a dominant language. And that, that, you know, that means that only certain voices get heard. And it's like, I feel robbed. Like I want to be able to dialogue with a brother or sister who may disagree with me. And, and I, I want to understand. I really do. Yeah. I, you know, I almost wish at annual council, they would just like have them sit at tables instead of rows and like have some round table discussion with translators or whatever, and actually be able to, to talk together. And, and um, I feel like it would also um, take away a lot of like the, you know, what, what happened at GC session where people would group up and flood the mics together or um, they would, they would kind of plot together. Both sides would do this. And um, I think that would, you know, stop a lot of that if you're not just sitting with all your friends, but you're actually there to communicate, to, to work with, you know, members of, of the, of, of different divisions directly. And you're talking with them about and talking through these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost feel like that would be a mm-hmm. more productive use of time because right now what happens is like, we don't hear about these leaders or know anything about any of these leaders outside of in delegates outside of the two minutes they're behind the microphone. And that's if yeah. they go up to the microphone. That's all yeah. we have. And a lot of us are using those two minutes as a way to to judge their entire character based on whatever they say in those two minutes. Yep. And it's unfair to yep. them. It's 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 unfair to who they are. Um and 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 it's and it is unfair to us because we don't actually get to know them and nor do we ha- really have a way to get to know them. And so right. I do think we need to do a better yep. job of trying to find ways to build bridges. Yeah, because it's it's worth it. It's worth keeping this thing together. And I, I think sometimes maybe people don't appreciate that the Avenus project is really unique. There's there's not another denomination like ours that is managed to keep I mean, we have a presence in two hundred and twelve or whatever countries, to be able to keep such a broad presence to incorporate so many cultures in our church, but to either not have a pope or not be congregational. Like we do try to organized that keep everybody on the same page in all of these different cultures. That's a significant achievement. And I don't think that's something we should throw away lightly because you're never going to get it back. No, not a chance. And honestly, like if we did split away, all we would do is end up making the exact same thing. And uh, just, just, you know, from our own point of view, right? Like this is what happens with a lot of church members. I watch this happen in church plants all the time is people will leave whatever churches they were in. And they say, we're going to do this differently now. And then you sit in a, in a meeting yeah. with them and you, they're like, the, like they end up doing and defaulting to the exact things they hated before. They're like, oh, we should subcommittee yeah. this, this issue. And I'm like, didn't you just tell me that you hated subcommittees? Like, Right. So it's we right. we we have we're we we're creatures of habit and we fall into what's and creatures of comfort and we fall into what we know and what we're already comfortable with. So it's likely that we would just end up repeating the same mistake if we split anyway. 
just now we would do it th- you know three times total both both sides that split plus the first time um right. and and so I, I i think there is more to be lost by splitting than to be gained yeah absolutely now i think we definitely need some kind of change and i don't know everyone's got an opinion on this if you ask me i think the the problem is that our it's not really the organization of the church you know our our conferences unions divisions general conference it's it's more the tithe structure which undergirds and enables this this organization. Like we need a reorganization of how we do things. Okay, we set up state conferences in an age where you had to get on a horse to go from town to town. So honestly, like in my case, the state of Illinois was about as much as conference leaders could manage. Yeah. Right, in that day and age. Today it's like you can just send an email, get on a car, get on a plane. Okay, yeah, it's, now you just need horsepower to get to from town to town. Horsepower instead of More horse. Power. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, do we? Is this still a distinction that we we need? Um, our tie structure works to fuel a rapid and paper thin expansion around the world. It does not serve to help us. So, like for instance, my church is an example uh, of all the money that we that comes into our church through tithes and offerings. Seventy five percent of his tithe which means it gets sent up the food chain. Now, some of it comes back, okay? The, the accountants out there are going to be, like, upset with me if I don't say that. But some of it comes back, in the, mo- mostly in the form of my salary. So the pastor gets paid by tithe, right? But otherwise, it's a very little use to a local church. So basically, we are operating in a city of 100,000-plus people on 25% of our budget. Like, there's not another church in this city that that has like a hand and a half tied behind its back. Yeah. Like that makes it really hard to do local mission. And I think that's where some of this frustration, a lot of people have, it's just like, we want to do more, but we feel like this, this tithe policy, we want to be generous in helping the world church, but it's like, we're dying here. Like the milk cow in this, in this division is dying, is suffering. And it's like, if the milk cow dies, it does not help the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think there's, there's a side of this too, like the the problem too is is that it's not just tithe that, that you have to ask members to give, it's tithe plus in order to make up the rest of your yeah. budget. And because offering is what would stay local. And so you're giving 10% of tithe plus whatever else you can give. And it it literally right. it it hurts. Like it's it doesn't even it doesn't even like hurt good. <laughs> it's not the good kind of it, it, like it just hurts. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, um, it's you know we get a little Tell we get a little like that good hurt Ryan. Um, <laughs> no, I shouldn't go there. Um, good hurt is watching Deadpool versus Medea. Um, the nice. or, or Fast and Furious. Um, that's yeah. that's good hurt. This, but I I I think there's it does hurt, and I do think we do need a restructuring um, of that tithe structure. And man, is it going to be hard to do that without like a significant portion of people end up losing their jobs. And I don't think anyone necessarily wants to be the person who has to, Yeah. like I, I, I see this, like I almost for a conversation like that, I almost want to bring in an organ, like a, like a business or someone a completely objective, a third party mediator, if you will, who will come in and basically trim the fat, so to speak and say like, this yeah. is, but then like, you know that we wouldn't listen to them because they're not Adventists. 
you know that's exactly what would happen. Because <laughs> they drink that gossip juice, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're a part of the, they, they operate, you know, they're worldly. We wouldn't listen to them. But like, that's almost what we need at that point is like an auditor to come in and tell us like, no, this is, this is the stuff that needs, like you, you're operating to, like yeah. the whole conference needs to go. The whole union needs to go. I don't know, whatever. Um, I, you know, yeah. it's, it is a reality, I think, um, that is going to hit us hard if we're not, if we don't sit, do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and 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 I think the 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 other thing too that needs to happen is I think young adults, especially this is especially true for college students, and I'm not victim blaming, right? Because I know young adults and college students like we get the we get shafted a lot. We don't get a lot of seats in authority, and you know we don't really get that much of a voice at annual council or anything like that. We you know we don't have a lot of representation, and right, or I guess direct representation, and um, part of the, part of the problem is because so many of us are walking away from church, we're also forfeiting any, re- any possibility of having that representation, right? If a college student spends four years, uh, call it or church hopping, then they're wasting four years of their, uh, their guaranteed rights as members of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, if, if you don't have your membership in a local church that you're actively engaging in, if you're not showing up to business meetings, if you're not showing up to, to, to events at your church, if you don't actively care for your local church, uh, there's no hope of you being able to serve uh, in a nominating committee, in a, uh, in a steering committee, in a board, in a church leadership position. And then, you know, the, you know there's no chance that the, the church would know that you care. Because you've just shown that yeah. you, you don't. And I get that like it's it's kind of a vicious cycle, right? The church doesn't care about young adults, so young adults don't care about the church and leave, and then they the the church right. says, Well, we have no young adults now. Um and right. you know, we can't trust any of them. And it is it is that that's a cold reality. And so I don't want to I don't want to victim blame young adults and say it's your fault you're not you don't have a voice i'm just saying we, there we can actively be a part of the solution by getting more involved and one of the realities sure. of that is we do have to pay tithe sorry friends like within the current structure <laughs> for now um if if yeah. you want to hold a position anywhere if you want to have voice and vote like you've got to pay tithe because that that's literally a church policy requirement of any church leader any nominated church position uh if you're a pastor for sure it's it is required um, and I've made my thoughts on that known before, but like for now, this is the reality and it is something yeah. that, that we need to be, you need to have a, a real heart, pray for a real heart for your local church. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's it. Look, it's something to keep in mind that people who affect the change always have to play by some of the rules of the organization they're trying to change. Yep. Like you that, can't be a like, total maverick. People who are like, you, you can't, I mean, like I'm just finishing a biography on, on Frederick Douglass. And it's like there's a lot of instances in his life where he's trying to like push for abolition of slavery and stuff where he nevertheless kind of had to grin and bear it, you know, like dealing with the prejudices people had. Like you can't fight everything. You have to you have to kind of pick your pick your battles, so to speak. But look, I mean, one of the things that I would say is don't look to annual council for a vision of what the church should be like change does not happen at the annual council. Like if you're watching, if you're waiting for general conference session next year in Indianapolis, if you're waiting for them to be like, you know what, forget all these compliance committees, we're going to institute all these reforms, blah, 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 blah. It's not going to happen. Like change happens where you are. It happens on a local level or as our friend, the hamster says, 
Change always happens on the fringes of a movement. My boy, it hamsters. will not happen at the center. Yeah, hamster. Uh, I totally don't think he's listening to this, so I think we're okay. Yeah, we're good. But you know, I that's that's the point. Like, don't look to them for change. That's not their job. It's, it's just not going to happen at the center of a movement, at the top of a movement. It's going to happen. So, to me, it's like take this kind of frustration, reinvest it in some kind of creative ministry like something to do locally and be persistent. So if you're like, Hey, we want to start a YouTube channel at our church or a podcast or something. It's like somebody may tell you, no, expect to be told no, like several times in your life. Yeah. If I had gone to the conference and said, I want to start a podcast where all I do is, is talk about things that anger me. And then I talk about church politics all the time. Um, th- I would be told no. Hundred percent. Can't imagine why. Yeah, I have no idea why yeah. that would happen. Especially when I started it as a and pastor. And now look, you get invited. Yeah, now you get, I get invited now to go places. Yeah, we get a seat at some small kitty tables um, because we have because of what we're doing at the independent level. It's not because we're like some special people. It, it literally is. We did something. We create. We amplified our voices. We we built a platform and built an audience. And now the church is starting to recognize that. And I think that the the thing we need yep. to do is is understand too and as 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 members is acknowledge those leaders who do look out for and to give opportunities, right? They are as much the institution as annual council is, as, um, as GC session is. Uh, But, but the change does absolutely happen at the local level. And, and and I think the changes that we're wishing to see are going to be ultimately generational changes. It's, it takes, it, it is going to be something that happens as leaders are replaced. And it means that we need to be actively ready to, to take up the mantle when it, when it is quote unquote our turn. And I think yep. leaders need to actively be looking up, not necessarily to give up their turn, but to give a turn to someone else. Um, I almost think that for, for us to solve the young adult leadership problem, it almost feels like there's got to be one generation that just skips their turn. It almost feels that way to some extent. Well, and I don't want to go I mean, that far necessarily, but like, that's kind of how yeah. it feels. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, it's like, we have a lot of boomers. And because there's so many of them, there's so many seats at so many tables that they're occupying, which is fine. But it, it like Gen X is like gone. Like there's not as many Gen X people. Yeah, you know, it's, it was a smaller generation. Millennials are bigger. Um, you know, obviously the boomers are bigger. So it's like it almost feels like we've skipped a generation. It's like everybody at the general conference is a certain age and higher. And I look, there's there are some people, there are some millennials who work in the church. You know some really awesome people, but it's almost, there's not a lot of them. And then, and then it's like, that's it. Then we have like kids. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what our church looks like right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but there's going to be some massive changes coming over the next 10 years, just demographically. The church knows it. Everybody knows it. Yep. Well, and honestly, like we're setting ourselves, like even in the political structure, at least within the, the, with the U S like because of the way social security and retirement has been affected for, for, you know, millennials and Gen Z, like we're setting ourselves up for a basically an even worse version of this future as far as employment opportunities are, are concerned, because many of us are just going to have to work until we literally die um, because we <laughs> won't have enough money to retire. And so like that's and we're seeing some of that now, like there are people who are still working because they, they can't afford to retire. They have to keep working. Yeah. And so, yep, like, that's like true. we we some of these problems are not necessarily directly solved by just us getting involved in church, but we need to be engaged in everything in, in different facets of life uh, in order to make the changes even within the system that we want to. 
And I know that can yep. be overwhelming. So my thought is like, what, what really makes your heart, you know, what really sets your heart on fire, except, you know, not lit- like a literal match, but what, like what, no, are literally you, on fire. Yeah, what, what are you passionate about? What is, what is, you can't champion every cause. So champion a cause champion two or three, yeah. but don't champion a million. You can't, you can be supportive of several. You can be excited about several, but you cannot throw give all of yourself to several. You just can't. Um, champion the cause that God has put on your heart. Yeah. And honestly, like, don't be afraid. If, if you're talking about some of these things, don't be afraid to call somebody at your conference and just be like, Hey, this is my take on the situation, but is this really how these things work? Yeah. Like, don't, don't just be like an armchair church politician. Like try to try to, cause there's nothing, I'm pretty sure there's nothing that like, that, that drives church administrators crazy. Like be informed, be informed about the things that you're talking about and be passionate about them. Like hang on to that dream, that vision that God has given you because I, your time is coming. I really believe that your time is coming. Mm-hmm. Now we would like for your time to come because mentors in the church have taken you underneath their wing and they're shepherding you into this new day. But your time may come because a lot of people die and they need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love you, boomers. Yeah, we do. No, I, 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 and I think directly communicating with people, once again, it, they've never been more accessible. I've talked with division leaders. I've talked with, with conference and union leaders uh, through social media very, very nonchalantly. In fact, we started the lead podcast because I DM'd Roger Hernandez on Twitter. Like, it is, um, things happen. I DM'd him. Direct messaged is the. Oh, they said you damned him. Oh no 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 no! I, I DM'd like, him. Sorry, was, friends. Look, you got you got you got powers. I thought you just didn't know what DM meant, and I was like, well, Matt no! did just join Twitter a week ago, so I guess it's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the like you have direct access, and I remember seeing somewhere on Facebook, maybe it was in a group, and I shouldn't say this. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what it was, but there was some teacher who had been talking with their kid, their, their students about something affecting youth and they wanted to do something about it. And, and so this teacher posted on Facebook saying they want to write a letter or a petition or something. Where should they, you know, who can they send it to? And a division leader, no, a general conference, actually, I think no, it was, it was division. I'm sorry. A division youth leader responded with the, yeah, send them directly to me. In fact, CC wow. the X people, CC these people, um, and get the, like we would love to see this letter. Like they need to know, and you can write them letters. You can you can send them emails. You can phone them. You can you can talk with them because they ultimately they're voted in constituency sessions, and uh, you're the people that they represent. Um, it's a you know if you're going to call and you have better access to these individuals than you do to your uh, in many cases like state representatives and senators. Absolutely. So like, let's not waste that, right? Talk to your pastor and ask them what's the best way to get involved at church and what's the best, what's the best route. I really feel passionate about this. I want to be involved more both at the local level and beyond. And what are the steps that you would advise me to take? Um, how can we, yep. how can I, I want you to know that I care and I'm telling you and communicating to you that I care and leaders to, to any church pastors and ministry leaders, you know, that are listening to this because there are several who do. I know, I know who you are. That's not true. I don't know who you are. I just know there are many. Um, You're like checking their IP addresses. Yeah, that's right. I would say <laughs> this, like um, there are a lot of young adults that are not interested because they know that the only positions they get are ones that have either zero authority or decision-making power. Uh, they have zero impact on anything, right? If Give, look for opportunities to give 
give your members more than just like, oh, lead song service this day or run the soundboard or collect yeah. offering. Give them a substantial thing because you'd be amazed what happens or what can happen when you actually empower someone. Suddenly their interest in, in being successful in that position skyrockets when you give yeah. them the reins. Um, and so yeah. let them drive. Sit in the passenger seat and you know coach them along the way, mentor them along the way, but ultimately they've got to be the one to press the pedal and turn the wheels. So let them. If you're going to teach them and yeah. hand this and hand, and it's responsible leadership. Otherwise, when you just when we just die off as leaders, we just hand it to a bunch of people who haven't done it, who've never done it, who have no idea how any of this works. And you're going to have, you know, a president presidents who spend the entirety of their term just learning how to be president rather than actually ready and prepared for it. That's what we're going to do. Yep. So I would actively yep. say, look for opportunities and ask for opportunities. Um, be vocal and make it known that you are here, you're present and you want to do something about these things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very clear. There's a bit of a trust gap. Like the, the kind of oversimplification is that uh, older people, are the people with the money and younger people are people like bursting with these ideas. Okay. That's an oversimplification. And like, we just, we got to find a way to marry the money. Yeah. Mm. Marry the money. Marry like the Ryan money. did in the Bahamas. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> I actually have been totally. to the Bahamas twice. And so now I'm concerned that you're saying this. <laughs> You know the immigration paper you signed? That wasn't immigration. <laughs> okay, good. Glad uh, to know anyways. that. <laughs> I was wondering. You're actually married. You're married twice now. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't know where. Oh, yeah. Marry the money. Like, we got to. But there's trust because, like, some of the people who have the money are concerned about how, what young people will do with it. Okay? <clears throat> Record keeper. Um <laughs> True. That moment of silence still, for the record. Sore subject. Yeah, absolutely. But and then like younger people are kind of mis mistrusting uh, the older people because it's like you know what are the strings attached to this money? You know what I mean? Like, do they actually care about my my vision and my dreams? You know, or or is it just about like hoarding it all to themselves? And it's like we we've got to bridge this. And there are some people out there who are doing it and they're doing a fantastic job. But we have got to bridge this kind of trust gap that exists between the generations. Like we have to find a way to trust each other mm. and work together. Yep. We absolutely do. And that, and that takes people on both sides of that. You know, we both got to make steps towards the center. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I, you know, as we wrap this up, I think the, the first thing that, that people might be wondering is uh, when you said I was married twice now, who I'm, what, what I'm married to first, I'm not really sure. Just so everyone knows the church. Ah, okay. Now, now I'm sure. Um, but the church is already married to Christ. So that's a little awkward. Oh, that's awkward. Uh, that's very <laughs> awkward. You're the side chick. I'm the, you're, side, you're the chick. side That's chick. right. Um, no, I, uh, <laughs> well, that was the weirdest joke that's ever been made about that. Um, <laughs> yes, but it's better than my one on the tram in Albuquerque. <laughs> facts. Um, Matt said a joke on the tram that I will not repeat here out of uh, his own dignity and safety uh, that literally <laughs> felt like the whole tram car that's packed full of people going 10,000 feet up a mountain um, just fell silent completely. Yeah. And I watched him slink like, down it, into it the ground, uh, into the floor yeah, of the like, tram. Literally, I just, I just like went down into the corner I've of the I've never tram seen someone physically there. shrink before. It was literally Honey, I Shrunk the Kids <laughs> without any of the technology. Uh, it was wonderful. Um, no, I, I, I think I, I really do hope, and I think Matt does too, 
that you have gained something, gained some motivation to do something about this, but also that you know you may not be alone in the frustrations you feel one way or the other about uh, things happening in your denomination. You are not alone. Matt is, and I didn't say this in his intro, he's the pastor of a church in Peoria, Illinois. Like, he is he is in the denomination. I lay pastor. We are, and I have pastored, very involved in the denomination. Like, both of us are in this, and and we are trying to use our platforms responsibly in order to encourage change wherever we can and inspire action wherever we can. And whether that's by retelling history so that you can be informed and have the, have history inform our future, um, or whether it's talking about, you know, and shedding light on some of the stuff that people just don't either talk about or don't know how to talk about whatever we're doing, like we're doing what we can with what we have. And and I would encourage you to do the same. So Matt, any final thoughts before we kind of sign off here? Yeah, I just have a question. Ryan, um, that's been coming to my attention. And it's a question I want to direct towards you. As opposed uh, the to the other people on this episode. <laughs> well, you know, as opposed to just wanting to hear myself talk, um, it, like, like usual. Are you wearing any pants right now? I am. <laughs> I am wearing pants. Um, good, good try, though. Um, I was responsible this time. Uh, one of the questions I keep getting asked <laughs> as of recently this is time. if I've this ever time? is if I've ever recorded a <laughs> podcast um, without wearing pants? The answer to that question is yes, by the way. 100% the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> and you can tell which ones when you listen to them. Yes, you can. Um, the, the, the great thing is that, that uh, you don't need your legs to podcast, so it really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and if we ever go to video, which Matt and I have been discussing some things, we'll just make sure that they're always chest up. Uh, <laughs> so then even people won't even know that I'm wearing a crop top because it'll be cropped at the edge of the crop top. And as long as I don't readjust at all, no one will know. <laughs> okay. You put a lot of thought into this. I'm thinking about it's it right a now. Concerning. I've, I, t- you know, me. you've, you've now experienced this firsthand. I take it and I run with it. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's, like, it's true. Headlong. It's true. He will play and he will play anything like, which, which gives me a strange sense of power. But in any case, I, I just, I hope that we were able to kind of, make people laugh through the, whatever stage of grief they're in. Yes, exactly. In this, in this episode, like we want you to get through it, whoever you are, we, we love you. And you are definitely not alone in feeling the things that you're feeling Yep, at all. Absolutely. Um, but also, um, you're not alone in the things that you're feeling at all. Do you like that? I really appreciate it. You know, yeah. when you say it, it actually sounds, uh, well, you know, actually sounds better. That's because I'm the only one that said it. It's an original quote that I just thought up now. Cause, cause, <laughs> It sounds like it. You're the pod father. Well, this episode is clearly done. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Go check out uh, all of Matt's stuff. All the links are in the show notes um, to his podcasts and to uh, Peoria Adventist, uh, their YouTube channel as well. So go check that out and the content that he's doing. I'm looking forward to working with him a bit more in the future as well. So if you enjoyed this episode, be on the lookout because I think as we've been talking, more might be coming soon. So thanks, guys. Have a a great week, um, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.